As legendary race car driver Ricky Bobby famously said, If you ain't first, you're last. Or as the common phrase goes, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Or maybe you prefer the saying, to the victor goes the spoils. You get the idea. In mixed martial arts, being second place really just sucks. You get a broken jaw and half of your paycheck, while your opponent gets that shiny belt around their waist, the love of fans, and a boost to their bank account via pay-per-view points. While doing well enough to earn a title shot is an accomplishment in itself, it pales in comparison to actually succeeding and being number one. Imagine the heartbreak of coming in so close to your goal to only come up short in that high pressure moment. But in today's video, we're gonna honor those legends struggle who tragically came in second place. Yep, this one's gonna hurt a little bit. I'm Jason from MMA On Point, and here are 10 fighters with the most failed Zufa title shots. Real quick disclaimer, we are prioritizing this list with UFC title shots over everything else. Just because whether real or imagined, the UFC is the top league except where pride applies, but very few title shots were even given there. So it's a balance between not just overall number of title attempts, but also the percentage prestige of the belt itself as well. And finally, focusing also on how close they were to actually getting one of those titles. Number 10, Donald Cerrone. One UFC belt plus two WEC and one interim belt, four total. This man is not just a fan favorite, but has a ton of accolades in MMA. He has the most fights under the UFC banner, the most finishes, most kick KOs, most post-fight bonuses. I could just keep going on and on. And this doesn't even include his stint in the WEC, which Zufa owns. The one accomplishment he doesn't have is a championship belt. He first went for gold against Jamie Varner at WEC 38, with Cowboy controlling the fight in the final round of a close bout, but an illegal knee cut things short and resulted in a technical split decision for Varner. With Varner sidelined with a broken hand, Cowboy faced Benson Henderson for the interim title at WEC 43 in 2009 Sure Dog Fight of the Year. Hey, <laughs> I think Anthony Walker works there. The following year, Henderson unified the belts. Cerrone got another chance at WEC 48. This time, Henderson would quickly end things with the guillotine choke in the first round. Cowboy would remain active following his entrance into the UFC, but a few bad performances disrupted his momentum whenever contender talk began. That was until an eight-fight win streak, including avenging that Bendo loss and spoiling Eddie Alvarez's UFC debut, propelled him to a title shot against Rafael dos Anjos to close out 2015. Another slow start spelled the end, though, for Cowboy as he fell to strikes just over a minute into the fight. Number 9. Chad Mendez, two undisputed UFC belts and one interim belt. As an undefeated contender, Chad Mendez became one of the standout names absorbed into the UFC from the WEC merger. In his third fight in the bigger Zufa organization, Mendez would face Jose Aldo in Rio de Janeiro at UFC 142. Even though his wrestling gave the champ a tough first round, the second saw a knee and follow-up shots that connected with Mendez's chin viciously knocking him out. Mendez rebounded with a five-fight win streak that placed him right back in front of Aldo in Rio de Janeiro again at UFC. UFC 179. In 2014's consensus fight of the year, Mendes came up short yet again, this time with a bit of a controversy as the Brazilian crowd drowned out the sounds of the bell, resulting in a right hand dropping Mendes just outside of the first round. When Aldo pulled out of his original meeting with Conor McGregor at UFC 189, it was Mendes that cut a hunting trip short to fill in for the heavily anticipated main event, this time for an interim belt. Although he would give McGregor a hard first and second round with high pressure wrestling and elbows, 
a winded Mendez fell to strikes in the closing seconds of the sophomore round. Following a few setbacks, including a two-year USADA suspension, Money Mendez gave up his championship aspirations and retired in 2018. Number eight, Uriah Faber, three UFC titles plus one interim title. We could rank Uriah higher on this list pretty easily seeing as how he lost to multiple champions and on four separate occasions, but the biggest factor is that he actually was a champion for the WEC well before names like Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo, and Max Holloway came along to define excellence in the featherweight division. After winning the WEC crown and successfully defending it five times, the California kid would struggle with gold in future instances. A quick knockout loss against now American top team head coach Mike Brown at WEC 36, and the rematch wouldn't go his way either. By his next challenge for that same title, Aldo would shred through the star with savage kicks that easily earned him a unanimous decision. After dropping to bantamweight for the first time since his stint as king of the cage champ, Faber rematched previous featherweight challenger Dominic Cruz at UFC 132. So then the now more evolved Cruz got the judge's nod. And before long, he and Cruz were to have a rubber match following a coaching stint on The Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> you remember that live season that didn't quite work out? Yeah, that one. Instead, Cruz would begin his injury woes and Hendon Barrow would fill in for him for an interim title fight at UFC 149. A broken rib early in that fight helped to contribute to a decision loss. Surprisingly though, another Cruz injury led to another chance at gold versus Barrow at UFC 169. This time, a hotly debated stoppage by Herb Dean left Faber beltless. I mean, I guess you could say that. I mean, he just put a thumbs up. And then a couple years after this, his final title shot came along with Cruz at UFC 199, where Faber would get dropped, now classed, and unfortunately yet another loss. Number seven, Yoel Romero, two undisputed UFC title shots and two interim champion title shots. The Soldier of God is simply a scary man and is widely considered the boogeyman of the middleweight division for good reason. Unfortunately for him though, that same fear that he has struck into the hearts of many as an athletic phenomenon and unpredictable knockout artist hasn't really managed to translate into championship gold. His first attempt came against Robert Whitaker at UFC 213. With undisputed champ Bisbing on the sidelines, the two were tapped for an interim belt. In an exciting fight of the night effort, Whitaker earned the nod. And so then Whitaker was next supposed to face former champ Luke Rockhold for the now undisputed belt at UFC 221, you know, the one that GSP vacated, but an injury removed the champ from the lineup and Romero filled in for another interim shot. But infamously, he weighed in 2.7 pounds over the limit. And so his third round KO would have actually earned him gold. Instead, he went home empty-handed but had at least another chance to face Whitaker. So there was room for redemption, but then he would again miss weight, disqualifying himself from the belt, but he ended up dropping a split decision anyway. After another loss, this time against Paulo Costa at UFC 241, the Soldier of God skipped the queue to face Israel Adesanya at UFC 248. While the shot itself wasn't exactly the right call based on rankings, it still looked like a good matchup on paper in the anticipation built up for a surefire exciting fight, but that was sadly not the case. Instead, the two stared at one another for the better part of 25 minutes, and Adesanya edged it out to retain his title. The fact that he sort of won one of his shots against Luke Rockhold but missed weight is what moves him up just a bit higher in our list, and also those incredibly close fights with Whitaker and Izzy. The point is it shows you how close he's been to actually earning a title. Number six, Pedro Hizzo, three UFC title shots. 
With power in his strikes and a durable chin, The Rock is an appropriate name for Pedro Hizzo. Thanks to the man who popularized that name so he could have a chance at presenting the BMF belt, Hizzo flies much further under the radar than you would think for many fight fans. But let's not blame this exclusively on Dwayne Johnson. Hizzo never winning a UFC title might have more to do with this. His first attempt was against Kevin Randleman in a frankly slow-paced and forgettable five-rounder. Randleman easily retained his title that night at UFC 26 in 2000. They were also supposed to fight one other time, but that didn't really work out. But his road back to being a challenger was a rather short one as two victories and 11 months later, Hizzo faced the man who dethroned Randleman, Randy Couture. In what was actually a really important event considering it was just the second one under Zufa ownership, UFC 31, and the first one under the newly scribed unified rules, Hizzo put Couture into an entertaining battle that saw plenty of back and forth action. I've even listed it as one of the greatest title fights in a previous video. Couture narrowly walked away, barely earning the W, but Hizzo's brutal leg kicks left the champion in a world of hurt. He actually had to be assisted out of the cage and has a permanent dent in his thigh from that one fight. And because of how good this one was, Hizzo would be granted an immediate rematch six months later at UFC 34. However, this time, the challenger had little to offer as he was TKO'd in the third round. Number 5. Kenny Florian 3 UFC title shots in 2 divisions for all of the praise that should be thrown at Kenny Florian, it's crazy to think that a big part of his legacy is defined by being the number two guy, unfortunately. He performed so well in a split decision loss to Drew Fickett that the UFC decided to add him to the cast of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. Being grossly outsized at middleweight, he improbably made it to the finals, but lost to Diego Sanchez, who, to be fair, was also undersized. But then three straight finishes at welterweight and lightweight propelled him to a title shot at the vacant lightweight belt of Sean Shirk at UFC 64, but sadly Ken Flo would drop a unanimous decision there. He'd follow that with a ridiculous six-fight win streak that included five finishes and a title shot against BJ Penn. Unfortunately, this was his error though. The prodigy being the prodigy would stop Florian's run dead in its tracks with a fourth-round submission after completely shutting down his offense. After a loss to Gray Maynard that prevented Florian from getting another lightweight title shot. And I hate to say this because I don't want to take anything away from Gray, but I just think Ken Kenny is just one of those guys that chokes in big fights. I love Kenny. I'm not bad-mouthing him or trying to disrespect him. I'm just being honest. Ken Flo dropped down to 145 where he'd be given a chance against featherweight champ Jose Aldo at UFC 136 after defeating Diego Nunes a few months prior. Florian would be nearly shut out as a trio of 49-46 scorecards were scored in favor of Aldo, marking not only his last title opportunity, but what turned out to be his last fight altogether. Very, very hard. You know, your identity becomes what you do, and, and uh, it's been tough. Number four, Chell Sonnen, three UFC title shots and one WEC title shot. No conversation about perennial runner-ups is complete without mentioning the gangster from Westland, Oregon. After a five-fight win streak, he re-entered the WEC as a challenger to Paulo Filo's middleweight crown. A controversial verbal submission late in the second kept him from that glory. Sonnen was given another chance against Filo at WEC 36 because of that controversy, to which he actually had no trouble getting his hand raised. This time, unfortunately, Filo fell 
held to make weight and the belt wasn't even on the line. Even though Fila would give Sonnen his belt as a gesture of sportsmanship, he isn't officially recognized as the champion in the organization. But there was a new life for Sonnen in this era. Sonnen's vocal persona emerged upon his return to the UFC and helped him get a chance against Anderson Silva. If, as soon as Anderson tries to punch me, I'm going to stick my forehead in his chest, run him against the fence, pick him up, put him on the canvas, and that's the end of that round. A, a guy with earrings, crooked hats, and pink shirts wouldn't make it 10 minutes in my neighborhood. I got two national championship plaques on my wall that says I can take him down. I saved Anderson's job. Uncle Dana was going to give him his walking papers, and I begged him, keep him around. I will retire this guy. Where he would give Silva a night of hell at UFC 117. Unfortunately for him, a late triangle armbar did what the California State Athletic Commission would have done eventually as Silva retained his belt. <clears throat> Failed drug test, anyone? A couple of wins and nice sound bites later, Sonnen would face Silva again at UFC 148. This time, an ill-advised spinning back fist would spell doom for Chelpi, who would lose by TKO in the second. With an unintentional assist from his training partner, Dan Henderson, we'll talk about that assist in a little bit, he bounced back from a title loss at middleweight to a title shot at light heavyweight and a season of the Ultimate Fighter against John Jones, who would, well frankly destroy him late in the first round before anyone noticed the likely fight-ending toe injury Jones sustained in the process. The most heartbreaking part of all of this was his retirement interview with Ariel Hawani. Well, I was on a bit of a championship run. If I, if I beat Leota tonight, I would have fought Bader for the world championship, and uh, that was the only reason I was in this sport, you know. I promised my father I'd, I'd uh, you know, I was just in the sport. Do you leave with any regrets? No, no. I, I loved every minute. Number three, Alexander Gustafsson, three title shots. Back when the UFC only knew how to market him versus John Jones for the light heavyweight title at UFC 176 by highlighting the similar heights of both men, we didn't truly realize we'd witness one of the greatest title fights in the history of the sport. Alex would push Jones to the brink after he breezed through several of the best to ever compete in the division. He'd come up short as all three judges saw it for Jones in what many considered to be a controversial decision. Following this, a torn meniscus would force him out of their highly anticipated rematch in what was originally originally scheduled for UFC 178, so a second chance came around two years later against Daniel Cormier and John Jones' absence. While he was fresh off of a KO loss to Rumble Johnson, and we can question why he was given that chance so soon, we once again found Gustafsson in an incredible fight where he would give the champion all he could handle, scoring multiple takedowns against the Olympic wrestler, mind you, and nearly finishing him in the third round. So as yet another great title fight, a split decision would leave Gus with no gold around his waist. When Jones returned from another of his self-inflicted banishments from the sport, however, the drama of Jones' PED pulsing and subsequent last-minute venue change would overshadow a rematch five years in the making. Unfortunately for Gustafson, it would look nothing like the first fight, as Jones would easily submit the man who previously gave him his toughest test. Number two, Dan Henderson. Hendo was the first champ champ in major MMA promotion history as he held two belts simultaneously in pride and actually won the UFC 17 middleweight tournament. But that's not considered an official belt, so when he returned many years later to the UFC, he would sadly fail at both attempts to claim UFC gold to unify with the pride championships. First, it was Rampage Jackson that would outlast him to keep the light heavyweight belt at UFC 75. And his next bout at UFC 78, Hendo would out-wrestle Anderson Silva early and actually throw some of his best signature bombs, but got caught in a rear naked choke in the second round. Just when he solidified his claim to rematch against Silva. Normally I'm not that way in fights. I know if the guy's out, 
I think that one was just to shut him up a little bit. Hendo left the UFC for more money and a chance against Strikeforce middleweight champion Jake Shields. Hendo completely handled Shields in the first round of their Strikeforce Nashville main event. Yes, that event. Gentlemen, we're on national television. But Shields would regain his composure and outgrapple the former Pride champion to win a clear-cut decision. He would jump back up to 205 and actually claim the belt there and do the unthinkable stopping Fedor before finding himself back in the octagon after the promotion sold to them. And upon his return delivering an all-time classic against Shogun Hua, Hendo was rewarded with another title shot at the light heavyweight belt, this time against John Jones at UFC 151, leading to a wild cancellation of that whole event, and hence the earlier reference that I mentioned with Chael's gifted title shot. And losses to Rashad Evans, Leota Machida, Vitor Belfort, and Daniel Cormier would then put the proverbial nail in the 205-pound coffin. Despite mixed results in his middleweight return and a number 13 ranking status, a 46-year-old Henderson would be granted another title opportunity against rival Bisping at middleweight. Hendo would lose a very close decision after hurting Bisping multiple times in the fight and retiring immediately afterwards. What a legend. Number one, Joseph Benavidez, four UFC and one WEC title shot. This is by far the freshest wound on the list and it's the saddest one to talk about because it just happened. And the reason is there are just very few people who are genuinely liked as well as he is in the sport. The former team alpha male representative has always left a good impression on teammates, opponents, promotional bosses, and media alike. And that is what makes this entry particularly tough. Joby has been on the wrong side of the win-loss column five times in title bouts. During his WEC days, a split decision loss against Dominic Cruz kept him from Bantamweight gold. Identical scorecards denied him another razor-thin effort against Demetrius Johnson for the inaugural UFC flyweight belt. From there, his losses would be far more definitive. A rematch against Mighty Mouse would abruptly end with a right hook that sent him unconscious in the first round. After working his way back into contention after DJ left the UFC and his successor Henry Cejudo vacated the belt, Davison Figueredo missed weight, disqualifying him from the crown at UFC Fight Night 169. But he'd break the collective hearts of MMA fans by TKOing Benavidez in the second round. An immediate rematch offered some hope for the beloved vet to finally add a championship to his resume. Unfortunately, Figueredo would instead dominate him yet again, this time by choking him out after a rough, rough first round. And what makes this even harder to accept is that this was the third time a champion has held two wins over Benavidez, effectively shutting him out of another chance again, short of some sort of miracle scenario. I'd like to give a huge shout out to Anthony Walker for writing this list. You can follow him on Twitter at AntWalkerMMA. And actually, I'd like to give a massive shout out to our social media designer, Oven, who actually came up with this idea on our Instagram. I was like, hey, that would make a great list. So shout outs to Oven there. And then of course, Ben Rosette for allowing us to use his music in the intro of this video. You can check out his links in the description to check out his music. And you can follow him on Instagram or Twitter at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching my list, guys. If you enjoyed the video, subscribe and like. We upload at least three videos per week about MMA, and it really helps us out when you do so. If I miss anything on this vid, let me know in the comments, and feel free to follow me on Twitter, at JasonTheHeart, or follow the official channel account, at OnPointMMA. Thanks for watching so much, and I'll catch you on the next video.